Hey, this is Peeling Back Money and Life, and your host, Casey Redman, is here with you. Welcome back. In this episode, we will discuss how to withdraw money while you're in retirement to fund your lifestyle. So how to withdraw with keeping taxes in mind, but not letting the tail wag the dog. What are some withdrawal strategies that you can do? And what about withdrawing in different market environments, whether it's a bull market that we've been in, for example, the past decade or so, a bear market that maybe we are getting ready for. We don't know when these things are going to happen, and I'm not here to try and predict those because no one knows. Okay, We are just staying the course. We already have our asset allocation, how much we want in stocks, bonds, and cash identified just like we've talked about in previous episodes. And in this episode, we were just talking about how to withdraw money. So need to identify your strategy for how often you want to access your money. So some withdrawal techniques, and we'll go in more detail and provide some examples later in the show. So maybe you want to have money monthly, kind of like a paycheck from a job, or maybe it's even biweekly. What about having it on occasion is another strategy. So like Maybe this is just for like a one-time purchase of a vehicle, or maybe you're going on vacation, like a cruise. Maybe you want it yearly, or maybe it's two years at once. And we'll provide some examples uh, later in the show here. And the one thing to keep in mind, and it may seem a little bit counterintuitive, but when you're withdrawing money from your stocks, bonds, cash, you want to pull from the asset that is up. So you're selling from your winners, So if stocks are up, you're going to sell from stocks. If bonds are up, you're going to sell from bonds. If stocks are down, you're probably going to sell from bonds or cash. And you want to look at your different buckets. A good analogy is looking at them as employers. So going back to that monthly withdrawal technique, kind of like a paycheck from a job, you're looking at your different buckets as employers. So when I'm talking about buckets, I'm talking about like if you have a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or you transferred your 401k into an IRA or maybe you have an annuity. Uh, Maybe you have a non-retirement taxable brokerage account. And then you're always considering taxes when withdrawing money. You're not using that as the only factor because again, one of those factors is, is the asset up or down but you also want to factor in taxes. Are you pulling from a pre-tax, like a traditional account, or is it a post-tax Roth account? So a pre-tax traditional IRA 401k, you haven't paid taxes on that. So when you withdraw, you're going to pay taxes. A post-tax Roth account, like a Roth IRA, Roth 401k, you've already paid taxes. So all your withdrawals are going to be tax-free. And that's very important because sometimes you may want to withdraw solely from traditional or solely from Roth, or maybe it's a little bit of both. And then a third account that some of you may have is a taxable account that can also be referred to as a non-retirement brokerage account. And these are going to be taxed at long-term, long-term or short-term capital gains. And how you know it's long-term or short-term is, have you held it over a year? It's going to be taxed at long-term. If you've held it under a year, it's going to be taxed at short-term. And if it's under a year, your short-term gains is being taxed as your ordinary tax rate. So if you are in the 22% tax bracket, that's what it's going to be taxed at if you've held that asset for less than a year. So 
I always stress and recommend to people to hold it longer than a year. And we are in the buy and hold strategy if you're listening to this show. So you're going to be holding it for a long term. And if you are in the 22% tax bracket or above, the long-term capital gains is going to be at 15%. And the gains is what you have made on the investment, so your cost basis. So the difference between what you put into the investment, so let's say you put 50000 into the total stock market index fund, and now it's worth 75000 and you're selling the whole $75,000, you are going to pay the $25,000 that you gained on that. And you're going to pay the gains on that. If you are in the 12% tax bracket or below, so the 12%, 10% or below, your long-term capital gains is actually zero. So you're not going to pay anything on that. So that's why it's important to know where you are in the tax bracket and how you can strategize of maybe you take a little bit from traditional pre-tax, maybe you take a little bit from Roth post-tax, and then you maybe take a little bit from your taxable account. And it's going to depend on the year. And you have to look at your, do you have a part-time job? Do you have a pension? Do you have social security? How are those factored in? So unless you're well-versed in these topics, these areas, you're going to want to speak to an accountant or a financial advisor or both and have them work together as a team to figure out your best strategy on a year to year. So what you need to identify are what your income needs are. So if you know what you need every month because you track your spending, you have a cash flow management plan of both fixed and flexible expenses, and what's your tax situation? Are you in the 10% tax bracket, 12% tax bracket, 22% tax bracket? What is most advantageous for you for this year? Are you doing any Roth conversions? Meaning are you selling any traditional money, pre-tax money, and putting that into a Roth account, post-tax account? So do you have money from part-time work? Do you have a pension? Do you, are you, do you have Social Security? What about, do you have a spouse? What about their income? Do you file joint taxes? Do you file individual taxes? All these should be factored in. Then do you know then you know exactly how much you need from your investments, from your portfolio, from your stocks, your bonds, your cash, and then paying taxes. So you need to still pay federal and state income taxes on your pre-tax accounts, unless you're in a state where it doesn't tax income because it's taxed as ordinary income. Same goes for qualified annuities and cash value life insurance. Those will be taxed as ordinary income. Your pension, Social Security, are taxed as ordinary income. For example, if you live in Iowa, strategy might be to withhold 10% federal and 5% state from your pension, Social Security, pre-tax, traditional accounts. Always consult with the tax account for your personal situation to get more accurate withholding strategy, though. Um, but you always want to factor in uh, withholding uh, when you have those ordinary income accounts buckets coming in. Okay, so we talked about the importance of knowing your fixed income, your flexible income, so you know how much you need on a monthly, yearly basis for all your expenses. And then you're taking your fixed income, how much you have from pension, how much you have from Social Security, how much you have from part-time works, and that is going to give you the number that you need from your investments, from your portfolio. 
And so that leads us into talking about the 4% rule. And if you're not sure what the 4% rule, it's a rule of thumb used to determine how much a person, how much a couple can should withdraw from a retirement account each year. This rule seeks to provide a steady income stream to the retiree, the individual, the couple, while also maintaining an account balance that, that keeps income flowing through retirement. So this became um, known over some historical data of stock and bond returns over a 50-year period from 1926 to 1976 is where this 4% rule kind of came into play. And it's considered to be a safe withdrawal rate um, for individuals in order to keep their portfolio, their investments going for a very long period of time. And this, the 4% may adjust as you age. So for example, let's say you retire at age 60, you may decide to do a 4%. If you retire maybe in your 40s or 50s, you might be a little bit, you might want to do a little bit less than that 4%. And then as you age into your retirement, once you get in your 70s, maybe you're able to withdraw 5%. And then your, your 80s, maybe it's 6%. Your 90s, Maybe it's a little bit more. And the reason being is because you don't, your, your lifespan is going down a little bit. So you're able to withdraw potentially a little bit more. Um, again, this is all kind of a rule of thumb. There is no guarantee. And it's important to keep at least 50% in stocks to stay, stay up with inflation because inflation, because that is our greatest risk. And inflation has over over the past you know 100 years has averaged a little over three percent and also fees to keep your fees very low for your investments for your mutual funds for your stocks your bonds your cash ideally below 0.10 percent so and if you're not sure on this see my previous episodes on investment costs and amount to have in stocks bonds and cash also known as asset allocation um, you can use a search engine at Vanguard, for example, you can type in retirement nest egg calculator, or you can type in to Google Monte Carlo simulation. And just one thing to keep in mind with these Monte Carlo simulations, retirement nest egg calculator, is that it does not factor in cost when you're doing this. So basically what it's going to do, if you go to the retirement nest egg calculator, you can say, how long do you want your savings to last? So let's say you are 65 years old and you want your savings to last another 30 years at least. And then you can put in, what is your balance today? So what's your portfolio balance? Maybe it's a million dollars. And then let's say, how much do you want to spend per year? And let's say that you want to do 4%. So you want your money to last 30 years. You have a million dollars. 4% of that is $40,000. You have 50% in stocks and you have 45% in bonds and 5% in cash. You're on the website, you run the simulation and your percentage that it comes back at how long it, of what, how that will last is 91%. And then you can go adjust those numbers if, if you want uh, a better percentage. I would say as long as you're over 90 or at that 95%, you're, you're generally going to be pretty good. I would not worry, stress about getting to that 100%. Again, these numbers are based upon past, past returns, 
We do not know what the future is going to hold, but we, we can use this as a guide. And again, it does not factor in costs. We want to make sure our costs are very low. So again, the Monte Carlo simulation, it gives you a more realistic assessment of how the future may unfold by looking at a wide variety of potential market scenarios. So it's looking at a hundred, hundreds of thousands of simulations based upon hypothetical market scenarios and they're taking in past uh, return calculations. And one of the key things, we, we, have a, we don't have a lot of control over what the markets are going to do at all. And when you're looking, when you're going into retirement, thinking about it, those first couple of years can play a pretty big um, factor into the rest of your retirement years. So for example, if you retired in, in a market downturn and all of a sudden the market went down 20, 30, 40, even 10% for a year or two years, that is gonna have a dramatic effect on what your, how long your portfolio can last and how much you can withdraw from a year to year basis versus if your first couple years, all of a sudden it shot up 10, 20, 30, 40%. And if you go to that retirement nest egg calculator and stroll down to the Monte Carlo simulation, it will play a couple of those scenarios out for you. Again, we do not have control. We're just making the best decision with the information that we have available. So for example, let's use, let's take the 4% rule. Let's go through, let's walk through an example here. Let's say you have $600,000 in investable assets. So 4% of that is 24,000. If you're pulling all that money from pre-tax accounts like traditional, and you're using um, withholding taxes, so 10% federal, 5% state to withhold, you would actually see 21,400 of that 24,000 which equals about 1783 a month, so $1,783 a month. So you ask yourself, will that be enough to cover your needs with your other income that's factored in, your Social Security, if you have a pension? If not, maybe you need to work full-time a little bit longer. Maybe you can look at how you're spending your money. Maybe you look at increasing your savings rate for a period of time. Maybe you look at transitioning to part-time work. There's different avenues that you can take uh, for to reach your goal. Um, so let's get a little bit more in detail to those withdrawal techniques that I talked about earlier on in the episode. So maybe you only need money on occasion. So this option is um, your other income is enough to pay the bills, your fixed income, your pension, your social security, for example. And this was only used for making that kind of one-time bill or that one-time purchase. Maybe it's taking a trip. Maybe it's paying for a vehicle. Um, the other, another strategy is you want money delivered monthly. So you're thinking of this like a paycheck from your job. Each month, as you would on your regular job, you're having money, um, be it from a short money market or a short-term bond. I like these two options versus a savings vehicle of having money in like a credit union or bank, which it's not earning very much. And then you just set this up, happen automatically each and every month to be sent to your checking savings account at your financial. The one year option is you keep that amount of money that you want, that you need. So for in this example, that $24,000 of that, so 4% of the 600,000 investable assets, from previously, and you have that much in your money market short-term bond account, i.e. your emergency account. 
And again, we're using this over keeping money in your savings account at your financial because it's earning a little bit more. Uh, Multi-year option. So you could have two years in your short-term or money market account. Just understand that the more money, the more years, the more months that you have in this short-term bond money market account, the lower your overall return will be. And you can look at kind of those scenarios, again, in that uh, Monte Carlo um, Vanguard Retirement Nest Egg Calculator website to see if how much, if you have more in cash, how it's going to affect your overall results potentially. Again, there is no guarantee. Um, remember, you should still have other bonds. So you still are going to probably have like an intermediate term bond that's going to earn a little bit more. An intermediate term bond would be an example of like the total bond at Vanguard. And then you're going to have portfolio of stocks. So again, I recommend probably having 50% or more in stocks. Um, I definitely would not go 30. I would definitely not go below 30% stocks because again, your biggest enemy out there is inflation. And I think if I'm speaking to the older crowd, they know exactly what I'm talking about because they've seen many different environments with inflation um, being rampant at times. Um, the younger, the younger crowd out there. We've seen low inflation environments uh, in the past. So investing in retirement, you need to know what your income needs are. You need to know what your risk tolerance. So how did you react with this most recent market turmoil with the coronavirus? How have you reacted in 08, 09 with the real estate? How did you react in 01, 02 with the tech bubble? And were you around in 73, 74? How did you react during those times of when generally the media and society is panicking? Did you stay the course? Did you buy more since you're looking at the market is on sale? What about your tax situation? What's your tax situation now? Is it going to change in the future? Uh, what, what's your time horizon? What is this money for? Is this money for you only? Is it for you and your spouse? Is it needing to last 30 years because you're in your 60s and you got a pretty good chance of living for another 30 years? Is it for your heirs? So maybe you're going to be a little bit more riskier um, and hold more stocks. Is it for a charity, a cause that you uh, care about that you're going to have more in stocks? And again, I would not go below 30% stocks. I'd recommend probably having at least 50% in stocks, but don't go above, I would not go above 80% in stocks in the high end. Use index mutual funds to invest at the lowest possible cost. Diversify in stocks and bonds to reduce your risk and volatility. And have a predetermined asset allocation that you're gonna stick through in thick and thin no matter what the market is gonna do. You have a rebalancing strategy. Again, these were covered in previous episodes, so I'm not going to go into too much detail here. And you're focusing on the total return, not the dividends and interest. You're focusing on the total return. Um, some obstacles that may be out there that you should be aware of and have in the back of your mind. And that's kind of what we talked about with the emotions. So some of these are going to be general, but what, what specifically are some obstacles for you is what you should be thinking about as we walk through this. So how often do you listen to the media, the news? Because there's a lot of talk while they don't add a whole lot of value. They get your emotions up and riled up and ready to go. There's a lot of helpers in the financial services industry. You know, you want to know if you have a financial advisor, for example, are they fee-only or are they fee-based? 
Are they selling you products? Are they providing advice? Are you receiving a bill for the services that they're providing? Or are you not really sure what you're paying? Without going into much detail, because I've covered this in previous episodes, you should know what you're paying. Fee-only is better than fee-based. Google if you're not really sure what I'm talking about. What is you and your emotional state? What what just happened with the most, uh, how are you reacting with the coronavirus, for example? The unknown that no one knows can be scary. We need to acknowledge that. But we don't know what the future holds. Education from independent sources is key. Seek help from the right people. The world's a risky place, and there's going to be some ups and downs. And really, inflation's a big risk that we can't control, and cost is another factor that we need to be aware of. Because um, if you're paying, you know, one, two, three percent cost, that's going to have a dramatic uh, re- cost on your portfolio over the long run. So let's look at an example here in terms of why costs matter. So you have six hundred thousand dollars in investable assets that we talked about earlier. With the 6% year return, because you're having about 50% in stocks, if we're looking over that over a 20-year period of time, and you have 600,000 investable assets, if you're paying almost little to nothing in cost, after 20 years, you're going to have just under $1.9 million. If you're paying 3% in cost, you're going to have just over a million dollars. So that's about a million-dollar difference. It's so important to know your costs and get them as low as possible. Where to keep your emergency savings? This one's a big one. We talked about a little bit about having in a short-term bond and money market account. Um, Look beyond your financial, your bank, your credit union, uh, because generally they're not going to be paying a whole lot in today's environment. It's critical that you identify your monthly and yearly expenses, both fixed and flexible, so you know exactly what your numbers are. Because those numbers will play a big part in your future withdrawals. Take your time and get those numbers accurate. It will be worth the time and investment you put in there. Uh, Do the best you can to project those future expenses that are going to come up. What income will show up each month in your bank account? You know, from your pension, your Social Security, what about rent, part-time work, etc.? It's important to get those numbers down in your budget into your cash flow management plan as you start to consider what you're needing from your portfolio. Do you need that 4% or or some years maybe you only need 2%, other years maybe you need 5 or 6%. It kind of averages out. Um, does that fixed income cover your monthly and yearly expenses and you can leave your portfolio alone because you only need money once in a while. Okay, let's look at an example here. So your expenses equal 3000 per month. Your fixed income equals 2000 per month. So you only need 1000 per month from your investments. So if you're doing the two-year option, you would sell $24,000, 1000 times 24, from your portfolio of investments and place that money, again, in a short-term bond index fund, prime money market fund, maybe your financial You're just going to earn less money there. You would then live off that money for the next year. So after one year, you would then sell another $12,000 to replenish up to that two-year, bring it back up to that two years worth of living expenses. And you would just do that um, consistently. And then let's say the monthly option. It pays you each month. Uh, You're going to withdraw $1,000 in this example. 
Uh, the money should come from the less volatile part of your portfolio, like a short-term bond index fund or a money market account. And then you can just set that up on an automatic withdrawal. And it's just like clockwork, like a paycheck from your employer. And what about maybe you just want it on occasion uh, to pay for a trip? One-time bill, you're just looking at what account, what asset is up or down and selling from the one that is up. So you're selling from that winner. Again, it's counterintuitive. And then you're looking at, you know, deferring taxes within the traditional pre-tax retirement accounts. You know, you can completely eliminate those taxes if you're using Roth accounts. Are you having long-term capital gains at 15% or 0% based upon your tax bracket? Look at your investment accounts as employers. Know how each account is taxed. So let's look at another example. Let's say you need, let's say you need 1445 per month from your investments to add to your fixed income to pay the bills. So the accountant advises you to pull from a qualified account because you stay in the 12% marginal tax bracket with your 12,000 withdrawals. You pull 1700 from your traditional IRA withholding 10% federal, 5% state, giving you that 1445 you need uh, per month. You pull from a low volatility account, like a money market, short-term bond fund. And again, you pull from a pre-tax account here. So let's look at example two. So you need the exact same money, 1445, 1445, and the account advises you to pull from your Roth account because you're in the 24% marginal tax bracket. So this time you're only needing to pull 1445 because Remember your Roth account, you've already paid taxes on, so you don't need to withhold anything from federal and, for federal and state taxes. Uh, thing to keep in mind, you must start withdrawing from your pre-tax IRA, 401k type accounts. Now with the most recent legislation at age 72, and in year one, that's gonna be about 4%. So maybe if you had a bunch of pre-tax money out there, that's gonna be where that money's coming from. And that can be set up directly to come automatically every month, or maybe you want to take it at a one-time uh, withdrawal throughout the year. And that can be set up directly to your financial. Or if you don't need the money, it can go into your non-retirement taxable account into a separate investment. If you don't actually need the money to keep it invested and keep it the money growing at the best possible rate it can. If you do not take the, this RMD, this required minimum distribution that the IRS says you must take, and the idea is it's set up on the, your lifespan because the government wants its money, then there's going to be, a, if you don't take it, there's going to be a 50% penalty for not taking your RMD, your required minimum distribution. So please take it. And just keep it simple. Keep all your accounts in one place, meaning all your buckets, your accounts, for example, all your when you when you retire, take your workplace, your 401k, 403b money, and transfer it into your IRA. So your RMD, your required minimum distribution, gets all calculated in one place, and you don't need to factor in multiple different accounts. It just makes life a lot more simple that way. Consider I just in review. Consider the retirement nest egg calculator. I'll include that in the show notes. You know, keep in mind the 4% rule is a guide, a rule of thumb. It is not a guarantee. And those calculations do not include cost. And past returns, that's what the simulation is based upon, does not equal future returns. 
focus on the probabilities over the possibilities. So again, we don't need to necessarily get at that 100% simulation. We don't need to freak out. We want to be in the 90s, in the, that 90 percentile somewhere. And for example, if you have a $600,000 portfolio, 4% of that is 24000 And make sure that you are factoring in taxes when you're doing that. So is some of that money coming from Roth accounts where you're not going to be taxed and some of it's coming from pre-tax where you're going to be taxed. So actually that 24,000 isn't going to be the 24,000. And then when markets are going down, what are you doing? Are you panicking? If you're panicking, you probably need someone there to hold you accountable and to talk with you, to calm you down. A financial advisor could be the option here. And again, I know I'm a financial advisor, but I'm not here, you know, saying that you need to reach out to me, but I am an option and you only get one shot at this sometimes and it's better to get it right and better to have that second opinion. So this is why, again, though, that you have it during market turmoil times, this is why you have money and bonds and cash. So you give those that opportunity for the markets to recover and you're staying the course and that's why you have a plan. That's why you have a rebalancing plan, a rebalancing strategy, a withdrawal strategy, an asset allocation strategy. You have these things in place before society, markets, things go hectic. You're you're being proactive. And someone else can help you do that if you know yourself are um, unable to do that. So call to action here. Define your current plan to withdraw from your investments. Is it clear to you? Is it clear to your spouse? Is it? Can you explain it to somebody else and why you're doing it? Is it thought through no matter what the market environment is doing that you are going to stay the course? Do you need to seek out help uh, if needed, even if it's to get a second opinion? Again, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed and hope this this podcast provide massive value to you because that is my goal with the abundance mentality is to provide value to you and that in turn that you will spread the word. You'll give a five-star rating. You'll tell somebody else about this podcast and then I can reach and hopefully impact more people through the podcast and through my in-person virtual meetings with prospects and clients through my advisory business. Again, thank you. And finally, for the disclaimer, this podcast is for educational purposes only as anything that you would find online. I only give advice to people who I know their personal situation and without knowing yours, it would be foolish to provide advice. For advice, consult the experts you have in your life, your accountant, your attorney, your financial advisor, essentially the people who know you and your situation personally.